The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the flight attendants, from the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This has been one busy summer for the airline industry. You know, summer is always a hectic time. Flights are full, kids are out of school. There's a lot of very inexperienced travelers, but this one has seemed a especially busy, and it's taken me a little time to get this episode out because I basically don't have any downtime at work to get stories because it has just been crazy. But this episode has to do with that because there is a type of passenger that I like to affectionately or not so affectionately call the bell ringers. There are many different types of bell ringers. And of course, I'm talking about people who ring their flight attendant call bell. Now, there are people who ring it over and over again. And when it's a child, it's understandable because it's just so tempting. But the child who's ringing the bell over and over again is actually enjoying the fact that they're pushing the button and hearing the bell. So it's like ding, 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 ding. And lots of times the parents have no idea it's their child. And like on a flight to Orlando, the whole airplane can sound like a pinball machine. But I understand the kids ringing the bell. It's the adults who see there's a little button and there's a a, a person on it. And they push it and it goes ding. They push it again. It goes ding. They push it again. It goes ding. I walk up and I say, did you need something? You pushed your flight attendant call bell. And they go, huh? <laughs> That's the typical answer. You know, 95% of the time, the people ringing their call bells don't mean to be ringing their call bells. And yet there's another type of bell ringer. And that's the person who does know they're ringing their call bell. And they are asking what usually turns out to be very stupid questions. <laughs> uh, so this episode is actually about that type of passenger, the bell ringers. And I was a little hesitant to do this episode because I realized my audience, of course, is mainly passengers. And I don't want to seem like I'm saying that all passengers are stupid, because I certainly am not. So in this episode, we also have, it's not just the passengers, the bell ringers, we pilots tend to like to tell stories about dumb flight attendants. <laughs> and I'm going to call those stories the dingbats. So this episode is actually about bell ringers and dingbats. And then at the end of the episode, I have a different type of story that's more of a headbanger story. And that has a double meaning. So let's get on to the bell ringers, the dingbats, and the headbangers. 
that you hear Bells ringing Ringing out This is when we served meals uh, Steak and potatoes in the back Or we had chicken Do you want steak or chicken? Well, we were on long flight to Hawaii And it was a full flight And I was about three rows up And this gentleman, I'll call him was sitting in a window seat, keeps ringing his call bell, and he's agitated over something. He's a bell ringer. He's a bell ringer, absolutely. <laughs> so I push my cart down, and, and I asked him, I says, yes, sir, may I help you? And he goes, I can't believe this. And I says, what? He says, look at this. And I, and I leaned over to see what he's talking about. He says, look at this potato. He said, this is a very bad potato. He says, and I want a potato with my steak. And I said, really? I said, okay. I says, how bad is it? He says, well, take a look at it. It's really bad. I, and he's very, very upset. I says, it is. I said, well, let's see what we can do. So I pick up a potato in my hand, and I give it two good slaps. One slap, two slaps. And I go, bad potato, bad potato. <laughs> And I hand it back to him. And I said, there, sir. If that potato gives you any more trouble, you let me know. Can't you hear the bells ringing? Ringing out for the angry sea. Ringing out deep in the forest. We were heading out west during the daytime, and in the west, they use irrigation circles. You don't see those in the east, and this was an Atlanta crew headed out to the west coast. And a fairly new flight attendant came up and asked us why were there circles on the ground. And the captain I was flying with, once again, without hesitation, says, well, you remember in the old west and the wagon trains, and she starts agreeing with him. And he says, well, the wagon trains. Well, at night, they circle the wagons, don't they? Of course they do. So every place they would stay, and these wagon trains would tend to use the same trails, and they'd stay in the same places. So over the years, they would circle their wagons, and it would fertilize the soil and those, from the animals. So for years and years and years later, we still have those green circles on the ground. <laughs> And, oh, okay, and she leaves. Well, that one's been told many times, but just recently I had a flight attendant come up, and so I want to ask you something about the clouds out here. She, she apparently was seeing some from the side windows, so she came up, and we had, it was a bright, clear day, and broken clouds underneath us with strong sunshine, so you would see the, the shadows of the clouds on the ground. And she came up and said, well, what are those dark spots on the ground? And I figured, well, she's never seen that before, so we gave her the honest answer. It's the shadow of the, of the cloud. You know, when you're standing on the ground and the cloud goes overhead and it gets dark, it's that dark spot, the, the shadow. She did not believe us. I guess we've told so many lies now that she simply... She knew we were pulling her leg. She said that nothing we could do to convince her that that's actually what it was. But the wagon trail went the, the wagon trail was just, yeah, <laughs> it was just fine. The crop circles, yeah. 
call button rings. I don't remember what kind of aircraft. And I walk up, and there's a very nice couple sitting, looking out the window. It's a flight from Atlanta to Los Angeles, and there were irrigation circles out on the ground. So they said, excuse me, ma'am, do you know what those circles are out on the ground? I said, I sure do. I said, those are landing pads for alien aircraft. And I walked away. Several minutes later, the gentleman comes back and he hands me his business card and he's Reverend so-and-so from somewhere. Can't you hear the bells ringing, ringing out for the angry sea? Okay, so I'm on a flight a few years ago and... I hear the ding. I go up and I say, do you need something? You run your flight attendant call button. And it's a mother with two children. And the one child has spilled probably Coke all over his pants. And she had a different outfit. So she had changed the pants. And she is now handing me the child's pants covered in Coke and says, can you put these on the clothesline? I, you know, it's so funny. In these instances, I don't know if I should say something, not say anything, leave it alone. Say, you know, did you ever see a clothesline on an airplane? But no, that time I just said, oh, you know, I would, but we're all out of clothespins. And she said, oh, okay. <laughs> on a 727, several years ago, I was in the back of the aircraft and I heard this constant dinging, ding, ding, ding. So in a panic, I grabbed the oxygen bottle and run up to the seat where I find a man sitting by the window. And he's very well dressed, working on some paperwork. And he says to me, yeah, looking very normal. But he says to me, ma'am, he says, there's a little man out on the wing. And he's been out there for a very long time. I said, well, sir, as long as he's out on the wing and not trying to get inside the aircraft, he's okay. <laughs> Never heard another peep out of that man. Can't you hear the bells ringing, ringing out for the now, this was just recently, and again, the bell rings, ding. I go up and I say, do you need something? You rang your flight attendant call button. And this woman, about in her 40s, said, what airline is this? <laughs> I said to her, how do you not know what airline you're on? How, how did you even find the gate? <laughs> about, oh, 10 years ago. We were going into New York City in 757, this nice big picture windows in front. And it, it, it wasn't a joke or, or a story or anything. It was just astonishing to me. Um, I was a co-pilot. The, the captain had eaten a meal and left a tray on the floor like they usually do. And we are going to New York City, day VFR, beautiful view of the entire city, flying the river visual up the Hudson, across the Verrazano, up the Hudson River across Central Park and into the airport at LaGuardia. It was beautiful. Well, we're descending in and you can see the Verrazano Bridge right in front of us. And 
the flight attendant in charge calls up and says, oh, I forgot there's a tray up there. Can I just pick up the tray? And sure, come on in. We open the door, she comes in, and she leans over, picks up the tray, and she looks up, and she sees the Verrazano Bridge and Hudson River, and off in the distance, she says, oh, and there's a Statue of Liberty. I thought that was in Washington, D.C. And, and the cat and I looked at each other, and we're, we're trying not to laugh. And we're almost in tears, but we're trying not to laugh. And we're, we're astonished. We didn't, really didn't say anything. And then he, he collects his thoughts, and he says, you know, you're right. It used to be in Washington, D.C. And now she's agreeing with him, and I'm trying not to start laughing. And, she, and he says, do you remember the bicentennial? And she says, oh, yeah. In fact, I was in New York City the day of the bicentennial, and I saw the parade of tall ships. Well, he said, well, that was the whole thing. They put the Statue of Liberty on a barge in Washington, D.C., and they brought it up here to be in the parade of tall ships and it made a beautiful background they decided they liked it so much here that they left it here and I've, I've got tears rolling down my eyes and she's gone oh okay well that makes sense and he's got yeah yeah that's exactly what happened and she took the tray and left and the door slammed and I was just going hysterical we're flying the approach into New York and I was just thinking after that, I hope she doesn't tell anybody. She's going to her children. Yeah, or to other people, and other people are now going to say, well, there's no telling what her reaction would be. But he just agreed with her, and I thought the part about the barge was just beautiful. It is not always coach passengers that ask stupid questions. I was working the first class cabin back when we had more extensive food on the airplane and we had menus in first class. Those were the good old days. Anyway, so this woman rings her call bell. She was from the south and I got to her and she's pointing at her menu and says, what's this aspergrass? And at first, I didn't even know what she was saying. So I looked at her menu and I said, oh, um, that's asparagus. The bells are ringing. Can't you feel it? In the air we breathe. Now, sometimes you even wonder, it's sort of dumbfounding. Where in the world they even come up with some of these things? So another day, I hear the ding. I walk up and it's a, it was a double aisle airplane. And I walk up and there's this woman and she says to me, um, you know, the sweet scent you release uh, on landing, could you not do that today? Because it makes me sick. And I, I'm already upset to my stomach. And I just hate that smell that you release on landing. And again, I hesitated. I'm thinking sweet scent, we release on landing we don't release any type of air freshener on landing we don't like we you know, we have nothing like that it's almost like the fog that comes out you know <laughs> yeah yeah we release that every time it's just like an added touch so i said to her oh okay i'll be sure to tell the pilots not to release that scent on landing today and she said oh thank you if you look at the washington monument it's two colors I think about a third of the way up or so it's one color and then the rest of it's another color. 
it was it took many years to con to build it, and it was only completed after the Civil War. And they used stones from two different quarries, so they're actually if you stand back to look at it, you can tell a different shades of white as you the, up the up and down the side of the monument. Um, we were in a uh, limo going from Washington National into the city, into Washington, D.C., for a, a layover at what I believe was a Four Seasons Hotel. Um, and we had the whole crew. And Van Driver is just going across a bridge right there at the Washington Monument. And he turns around to one of the flight attendants and says, you see the, the, the line on the Washington Monument where the color changes? And one of the flight attendants says, yeah. And he says, that's the watermark from the flood. <laughs> and we're all looking at each other, just, okay, nobody laugh. All right, nobody laugh here. And he goes, he went on and on about, yeah, there was a really bad flood. And that thing's high enough that it would probably have flooded everything east of the Appalachians, you know. But he, he had him convinced that that was the watermark from the flood. <laughs> like, good, that's, that's pretty good. He's, <laughs> I'm sure he got quite a few people. <laughs> Now, I'm sure some of you have already realized that since I'm telling dingbat stories, that of course I'm going to have to tell a dingbat story of my own. Because Lord knows I can have my dingbat moments just like everybody else. I was on a layover in Sacramento, and we were staying at a Hawthorne Suites, so it has a little kitchen. And lots of times in your hotel room, it's, it's quite boring. <laughs> and I'm looking around, and I have a dishwasher in the little kitchen. And... You know, you just don't usually get a dishwasher in your hotel room. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if I could use the dishwasher for anything. And I thought, oh, you know, I never wash my cosmetic case, my blush brushes, my, you know, eyeshadow applicators. <laughs> I'm sure the men are like very interested in this right now. But I thought, why don't I just put those in the dishwasher and clean those for once? So I get all of my things. I put them in the dishwasher, trying to make good use of my time on my boring layover. And I don't have any dishwasher soap. And I see some, you know, hand dishwashing soap on the sink. So I think, well, that probably works just the same. And I fill up the little thing in the dishwasher and I turn it on and I'm in the bathroom. I'm not paying attention. And next thing I know, I hear funny noises coming from the kitchen. <laughs> It looked like, I don't know if you saw that Brady Bunch episode where the um, they put suds in the washing machine. There were suds up to my calf. <laughs> I spent a good portion of the layover cleaning up the suds <laughs> from my hotel room dishwasher. Since I just told that little Brady Bunch story, I have another Brady Bunch story that doesn't have anything to do with bell ringers or dingbats, but... I like it. And it had the little Brady Bunch connection. So I'm in Nicaragua on my trip recently in May. And, um, you know, I'm blonde. I'm popular in other countries, much more popular in other countries than here in the U.S. Seems like, you know, blonde, blue-eyed. You get a lot of admirers. And there was this one particular Nicaraguan guy uh, about my age, and he was flirting, harmlessly flirting. And, we were staying at the same hotel on this island, Ometepe, in Nicaragua. And uh, he says to me, I, I have to show you something. It's something you won't see 
you won't find in any guidebooks. And it's amazing, but we'll have to take like a half an hour walk through the jungle. And my friend and I were like, okay, sure. So we're walking through the jungle and we, it takes us a while. We're winding through the jungle. We get to this beach. It's a black sand beach. We're actually on an island in the middle of a freshwater lake. And uh, my friend and I are thinking, okay, that's not that exciting. What's so exciting about this beach? And then he starts picking up what seemed like rocks from the beach. And he starts showing us that they're actually artifacts. He said, well, I can't tell you if they're 100 years old or 1000 years old, but they're pieces of pottery and pieces of jewelry on the beach. To me, this was so exciting. I've never seen such a thing. What kind of a beach has artifacts that wash up? And he can, he'd show us that you can see the, the um, designs on the pottery, you can see the etchings, you can tell whether it's a rim or a base. And then he explained to us that the Indians would bury their dead. Um, and the rains they have terrible rains, there, very strong rains would come and wash, they would bury the people with whatever valuables they had, which would be pottery and jewelry. And then those people would end up getting washed into the lake. And then over the years, everything would be broken up. And then the pottery and the jewelry comes washing up on the beach. <laughs> it was just amazing. I had so much fun picking up all these things. And he found me one that had a hole in it. He was showing that it was jewelry. And I like picked out like six that were my favorite. And I'm going to take them with me. And my friend is like, you can't take those. <laughs> you know, that's bad karma. You can't take that. And our friend, our Nicaraguan friend was like, no, no, it's okay. It washes up every day. And I'm like, it washes up every day. It's just unimaginable to me. So I decided to go ahead and take a few pieces. My friend doesn't. And she was like, didn't you see that Brady Bunch episode? <laughs> If some of you know what I'm talking about is when Greg took the amulet in Hawaii and then had all this bad luck. <laughs> so I've been sort of waiting to see if I've had any bad luck because otherwise I got to I got to fly all the way back down to Nicaragua and go all the way to that island just to replace my pieces. <laughs> my artifacts. <laughs> but so far it's okay. Ring So we're going to Anchorage and it's a night flight, so the lights are down low. Well, there's a honeymoon couple. Well, they decided they want to join the Mile High Club. And I'll let you tell the folks what the Mile High is. So anyway, they laugh and they decide they'll go back at the back bathroom. Now, back at the rear of the 727, you have, and on most planes, you have two bathrooms facing each other. Well, she walks in first and then... He, he's trying to be discreet, but we're watching him because we're in the back galley. So then he walks in the bathroom. So all of a sudden, we hear a click. They've right. closed the door. But unbeknownst to them, they didn't lock it all the way. So they locked it on the outside, probably. Well, it was just half, the oh, latch was half closed. That was smart. Yeah, because then we hit some turbulence. Well, all of a sudden... <laughs> We're walking. Well, there, I'll tell you how they fell out. Because his back was to the door, and because he had closed it when we hit the turbulence, he falls out backwards. Well, she's 
wrapped around his waist. So as he falls out, it happens so quick, quick that her legs are behind him so she can't move and he can't move. His head hits his head hits the back bathroom, which makes a big bang. So everybody on the plane turns around and looks at him. And there's this couple laying on the floor. Now he's straight flat on the floor, and she's on top of him with her legs underneath his back. So they're stuck. They can't move. And everybody's looking at them. And they're using their imagination, what's going on. And we're all looking out at the galley at them, too. And so they're looking up the aisle, looking at all the passengers, looking at them. And turning beet red. And then that's... Or buck naked red. <laughs> but naked red. <laughs> well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with Suitcase, I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. And I hope I haven't offended anybody out there, but just in case I have, I'm going to apologize to all the bell ringers, the dingbats, and the headbangers out there. See you next time. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.